This is a Podfire production. Hi, I'm Ryan and welcome to the New Nirvana podcast, where we dive into everything to do with mental health and well-being. Anything that can improve your life, we're here to talk about. All right, Tristan, thanks for coming back. Uh, welcome to part two of our conversation. And I don't know if you remember, but our last conversation ended off, we were talking about journaling and I was saying how, how beneficial journaling was. But then you're asking me oh, if I was doing it, and I said, oh, look, I'm not doing it much at the moment. And then you basically asked me well, if, you, if there's something that you know works and is good for you, why aren't you doing it? Which, um, good question. Very good question. Thanks, Ryan. It's good to be back with you. Yeah, part two. Um, that was a couple of weeks ago we first met. And, yeah, you've just um, triggered my memory there that something I hadn't raised in the first episode was about cognitive dissonance, which basically is about knowing that something is bad for one, one's health or one's psychological well-being, and yet we still do it. So a good example is smoking. Mm. We know that this is really unhealthy and really bad for our, our well-being, and yet we continue to do it. You can look at it, particularly around addiction and denial, um, why is it that you continue with a particular behavior that doesn't serve you? Now, the flip side is is the point I put to you last time about excuses, procrastination, mm. and you recognize that that activity of journaling, and it, it's not so much about the specific topic, it's more about the process and, and a cathartic experience of of trying to get your memories, uh, your your thoughts down on paper. Mm. And that doesn't have to make sense per se, and it's for you, it's, it's for your benefit. Um, and, yeah, pe- people can sort of make sense if they're, if they're overwhelmed with with um, situations in their lives. And, and so it, it's a good... I think, as I recall, you sort of wanted me to talk about... Um, different tips or exercises or or patterns of behavior that um, will improve your psychological well-being. So we, we touched on journaling and then you mentioned that you really enjoy it, but why aren't you doing it? Mm. So uh, that just brought up a good question is in society today, you brought up smoking, but there's obviously like everyone knows how to eat healthy, right? Uh-huh. But none of us are, are doing it. So... A big thing that I like to talk about when I'm talking to clients and talking to people, um, it's it's not about what you know, it's what you use of what you know. So people say That's knowledge true. is power, right? Mm-hmm. But I like to say knowledge is potential power. Okay, you I can like know everything under the sun, but like I said, if you're not doing it, I feel it's actually, it's actually worse if you know what you need to do and you're not doing it because then you've got that guilt factor, right? Well, that's the dissonance. Basically, yeah. that's the dissonance of, I I know the pursuit of this behavior will help, but why do I not do it? And, and, and going back to a diet, you know, we all indulge. We're all subject to, you know, advertising and commercialization and, and the food products that aren't healthy for us are high in sugar and fat. Mm. And I'm interested more in terms of, right, I ate the burger and the, the soda and lots of sugar on board, then there's the guilt, mm. and that actually keeps you in that automatic nev- exactly. negative loop. That yeah, 
you know, I shouldn't have done that, but I did. And then all and you feel the worse exactly. and then you go do more of it. And then you do more of the same negative behavior. Mm. Um, yeah. So I feel like, you know, if it was so black and white as to this is bad and this is good. And if you leave all the emotional out of it, of course, logically, you're like, well, of course I shouldn't do that or I should be doing that. Um, but I, I feel like, like today, it's you've got to be getting something, even though it's bad for you. There's something that you're gaining out of that for you to continue that behavior. Right? Sure, the fat and the sugar, and we are we are designed to gorge as human beings because you know if you look at sort of a reptilian brain, and I think we touched on this in the last um, podcast that. We're not as sophisticated and as advanced as we would try to convince ourselves mm. that we are. So you're being driven to take on as many calories as possible. Yeah, yeah? that's the animal sort of the, mm. the 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 reptilian brain, the fight, the survival, and yet we're just subjected to twenty four hour. Yeah. You know, food, calories, and, and people don't know how to put a break on it, and they get overweight, and, and they feel that, you know, that there's negative self-esteem, um, and they get caught in a loop, as you rightly pointed out, and, you know, that's what the manufacturers and the advertisers want, the, the individual to, you know, the more you do it, the worse you feel, and the worse you feel, the more you do it. You yeah, know? yeah, so you get stuck in, in that loop. And like the thing that I um, have noticed, especially because like we've as a community or as a, a human race have gone so far and we've technology is going so fast that we are living in a completely different world to what we did, you know, 100, right. 200, 300 years ago. But as you were saying, your reptilian brain is still stuck in the Stone Ages, right? That's so right. it's very hard for us to keep up with our psychology and our health and trying to keep up with the way things are going because we're so stuck in this two million old, you know what I mean, yeah. um, reptilian brain. So it's more important now than ever to be aware of that and to try and combat all the stimulus coming in that's pushing us to do the exact thing that we're not trying to do. That's so right, that's so right. And then I think, again, you've touched on something very important there that if there's a negative emotion generated, we are designed to be with that and to resolve and, and find solutions. And actually, so if It's you, a feedback. It's, it's telling feedback. you that there's something wrong and telling you that you need to change something. Yeah, and you need to be with that and find a solution and how does one then change that behavior? But it, with the advent of, of tech and of cell phones, we don't, we're not forced and that maybe that's not the right adjective, but it's too know, easily to to distract to distract than actually be with that negative mm. emotion and the way we're we're conditioned um, by a, a commercial consumerist society is that you d you don't have to be with that negative you know no. you can distract you can yourself mask it up with yeah, exactly. everything you yeah. know whether it be gaming uh, you know and, and this is not to be negative about gaming. But the, the tech industry is designed and, and, you know, the social platforms are designed to keep you revisiting 
So you never actually have to be mm. with that negative outcome or that negative emotional state. And it's in there that you find the solution. Definitely. This is why uh, I'm sure you're the same. We I like to promote stuff that puts you in, forces you to look at the, this stuff. So meditation, great. You know, Brilliant. all distractions out. Okay, sit with what it is that you need to sit with instead of distracting yourself. So medit- And that's why it's so hard for some people to do because they don't want to sit with it because of what might come up, what might they think about themselves, or yeah, you're running away from the exact thing that you actually need to do. Most definitely, you know, and it's almost back to the dissonance. I, 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 th- I should be doing it. I'm a little bit off put by the shoulds and shouldn'ts. However... There are times when one, this is behavior one should pursue, you know? Yeah. The rigidity and, and, and clinically we look at being concrete in terms of having to do this. And I, I like Albert Ellis, who is the forefather. He, he developed rational emotive therapy, which is the forerunner to cognitive behavioral therapy. And he said, don't should on me and I won't should on you. Mm. He spoke about masturbation which is a great turn of phrase that I must be doing this. If I'm not doing this, then somehow, you know, I'm, I, I'm not performing. And, and the rigidity and the concreteness of, mm. of the psychology is... We, we put all these barriers and we put all these uh, expectations on ourselves through whatever it may be, values, your, your upbringing or whatever. And we've got all these barriers, I suppose, and it's about trying to break them down and and not so much like you like said not not so much like i should be doing this i should be doing that but then you know i mean like this is why journaling is so good as well it's it's allowing you to create space between the words and the thoughts to really think about it and to really um process it in a way that you don't normally do because it's so when you're thinking especially in your head it's even better to say it out loud because it slows you sure. down and you can hear what you say and it makes it's i'm i'm sure we've all been there you've been there you're stuck in your head about something and, sure. and then if you say it out loud or you write it down you're like that doesn't fucking make any sense like yeah. what, but you're convincing yourself through whatever it is you know our past or whatever you're convincing yourself that um what it is that you should or shouldn't be doing but yeah, that's why I think meditation and, and the journaling will definitely put you back and just allow you to create that space to really think about. I don't know we just talked about before off air, like your shadow self. Um, yeah, well, we can explore that. You know, I think it's. But just to while we're on a point, I really like what you said between that gap, mind and the gap. You know, mind as in you, your consciousness and being in that space, and that's what meditation hopefully aims to achieve, Mm. being in the space between the thought and the action or the emotion and the thought. You know, you write on the money there uh, in terms of... uh, And so that's been developed into mindfulness, which is very vogue at the moment, which I Mm. really like. And and being with your thoughts, and it's back to, you know, did this in 2022. You know, we don't allow ourselves or we're, we're... being bombarded by advertising distraction and i think you've hit the nail on the head there mate you know you've got to be in that space and that can come through being in flow and being creative whether it be writing or 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 art or or music 
or sport and passion mm. um and and you sort of you're in that gap yeah you surfing does that for me like nature's really lovely. good one yeah. um and i think it's interesting to see uh, when you follow um famous people like einstein and newton and stuff and and they will all say that their best ideas or their best breakthrough didn't come when they were doing Sat it at the desk it was like in the shower where you have that space and you have that sort of um or nothingness or that you know what I mean where you allow stuff to come in you you're in a receiving mode of receiving what can lovely. come lovely well you you right and and I think so again back to to, to clinical um psychology we talk about a blunted affect so if you're struggling with emotions you actually condense how you're being and miss the periphery and I think that's what you're articulating. Some of the greatest ideas are not sought after, but it's about being receptive and open to what's going on around mm. you. And then, you know, um, revolutionary ideas or sort of insights. It doesn't have to be so grandiose, but making the connection with where you are and being able to receive the information and, and that being in flow is, is something that we're, we're losing. Yeah, 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 and like you can become in flow through many different forms, like you know, like you're saying, sport and yeah. you know, work. I Surfing's think. a great one, you know. I yeah, uh, for me, it's the it's the perfect storm. You know, you got the the ocean, um, which I think has got magical powers. Like every yeah. time I jump in the ocean, I'm a completely different person. Sure. And when to see there, it's just you and the wave. You know what I mean? And to jump when you're on that wave. There's no thoughts that's going through your mind just that for being, I suppose. And that um that to me is something really special. Beautiful. Yeah, I think. And and that, that works for you and you know, uh, so I, maybe I was a little bit critical of the journaling and not doing it, but I know that you're a big big surfer, so you're still getting the benefits. You yeah. know. The the journaling's an add on almost. But you know, that's what how did you get into surfing? Were you, was that from childhood? Uh, no, so I was really big on wakeboarding and just any, like, I was always a swimmer. I was always, mm -hmm. I loved water. Um, and then, because well, I lived up north, so there was no surf there, so I was always wakeboarding. And then coming down here, uh, I've always just been drawn to it. I always wanted to do it. It looked like a cool sport. And I, you see the culture of surfing, like, in the 70s and all that. Like, it's just, like, free, you know, free care, free loving. And, um, yeah, I just thought that was really cool. I just wanted to get in and see what it was all about and yeah instantly it was fantastic I was hooked, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's you know that's a blessing that you, you found that you know mm. and i think i think we all have something similar but just in in modern life we don't for whatever reason we, we don't find it you know for some people it's it, it, it's writing or painting or something artistic or or you know you get sport you mentioned you get your marathon runners who go into a zone yeah you, know? you get your golfers who are in the zone and everything else is irrelevant or dumbed down mm. and the folk and i think that's super healthy and i think for, as a society at large we're beginning to lose some of that you know? yeah and the, the cognitive sort of management takes effort and time and we don't want to look at it. You know, you touched on the shadow, the negative side. We're drilled to not acknowledge some of our behaviours mightn't be the best for us, you know. 
And one of my one of my punchlines is never underestimate the power of denial, mm. because you'd be surprised what people how how people can trick themselves justify. and justify and rationalize and minimize the behavior. And there's lots of facets of denial, but you know, just the term people shy away from. I do not want to acknowledge that I'm in denial about because mm, a lot of shame and guilt around certain. Well, things. all those negative emotions yeah. that we touched on, but you have to be, you know. Carl Jung said, you know, the shadow knows. Mm. You know, you are what you think. What you think, you become. But there's a dark side to that in terms of we we cannot just look at all our positive. Um, aspects of our personality you have to look at, at the you know the things that you don't that don't sit well but again we're sort of drilled and it, it's a difficult one to look at your denial patterns mm. uh, and most people just shut shut it down you know they close the closet and the skeletons in the closet and that's where the shadow is and you you need to know your shadow to have to, to be a whole individual and have positive psychology. Yeah. And, like, I, there's so many people in the world that have um, become, I suppose, enlightened or, or aware or whatever you want to call it, guru or whatever. Mm -hmm. But all the people that I've followed that have got to that high level of consciousness and awareness and they've all got their – in a different way. So there's not one size that fits all. And I think a lot of people make that mistake where they go see someone and, oh, and they were promoting how they'd done it, which is great, but that not be right. It wasn't you, the right, right fit for that individual. So I think what we need to do as um, coaches and psychologists and people that are trying to help is put your own what works aside and just explore and find out, talk to them and find out what's going on with them and and. Don't tell them you need just give them different options and let them find out for themselves, right? Give them the power to find out what what it is that they need to do to get to whatever level of awareness or, or whatever it is that they were trying yeah, to get to. Well uh, and that leads us as, as a segue beautifully into you know, over the past twenty five years I've developed a program called ACO and it has eleven components and some of them could be deemed as quite generic. So if I take the example of the first is anger and acceptance, and some of that's drawn from ACT, anger and uh, um, commitment therapy, um, and radical acceptance. And sort of, I was for, for many years trying to aid people to, to not be angry, but anger is there for a reason. You cannot avoid anger. It's part of your survival mechanism, your fight or flight. Mm. Um, I think for lots of people, it, it becomes a demon um, because they don't know how to manage it. But you have to make friends with, with, with your anger, yeah. the monster that's on your back, and, and move into acceptance that this is going on. Um, and people don't back to denial. They don't want to acknowledge that they have angry outbursts because... Yeah people find it very difficult to change, Ryan. You know, it takes effort, and, and we're drilled to take the easiest path. Mm. And and get into a point of acceptance around anger, that, I think, is, is universal for humans to, to a greater or lesser degree for the individual. Some people might be listening to this and saying, well, I'm never angry. I, I would tend to disagree, 
or, or they manage that better, you know? So giving people particular psychological concepts really can help them. Yeah. And, and not every aspect will apply to every individual. Yeah, I, I, um, I kind of want to talk about this because I... Um, I kind of disagree a little bit about the anger thing, um, mm -hmm. just because anger is actually really powerful, right? Because that creates a lot of energy. Anger is an energy, yeah. Yeah, so, and if you've got a lot of energy, you can direct that positively mm -hmm. to then make the changes. And I think when people go past the anger and they drop down to even a lower frequency or a lower level, there's that apathy or depression or shame and and them type of people, I think, could welcome anger because once you get to anger, then you've got the energy to then make... It's very hard to have the energy when you're depressed and apathy. And, you know, it's... I think it's... Anger's like the next level up. I think there's a level below that. Does that make sense? Most definitely. And lovely, lovely point, mate, in terms of... So for, for a long time, I've been saying, give me an angry individual and we can shape that mm. because it's energetic yeah. as very opposed powerful. to someone who's in clinical depression and it's difficult to get any sort of form of motivation happening with that individual. Definitely. So I, I like the way you frame that. It's, it's lovely. Because um, I think it, once you, if you just say if you are depressed or whatever, mm -hmm. and then you bring yourself up is it, is to it, anger, um, or if you, you, know, you want to make a change and you get to that point, then like you said, I, I think that's really powerful and like, like as you pointed out, that is a really good place to be because now we know we can transmute that anger yeah. into and channel, or channel it. Yeah, yes. that's right, yeah. mate. And morph it into something. So, I, to some degree, I agree. Yeah. Um, but then I think when anger spills out into everything, which is really quite common, you see road rage. You see, you know, people being really pissed off with with their childhood hasn't been the best for them mm. and they're stuck in that anger loop that and it's a blame game and we touched on that in our first session yeah um that can be problematic but it's about the recognition that this is what's happening for you and giving yourself that space that you touched on before which i really like the gap um and it's in the gap then if you're overwhelmed with with anger or any emotion you know, it's a, we touched again on it in the first session about the world wants it to be um, polemic, black and white. But the reality of human existence is only 5% is black, 5% is white, and the grey zone is 90%. And it's the ability to operate there um, and not to be drawn into a, a poor frustration tolerance clinically that's about low frustration tolerance so everything that's difficult really irritates us and we become angry mm. that then remember i touched on a blunted affect and not being receptive to what's going on around you when you're angry and you've got a frown and you're kicking the cat or whatever it is you know people shy away from you so those connections that you touched on earlier about being receptive if you're too angry people shy away and you're not it becomes a blunted emotional effect that i'm pissed off all the time and i'm missing many things you know the social interaction people don't want to be around people who are explosive in rage mm. because they, they, they feel 
uncertain and I'm fearful, you know? Yeah. And I think, again, it's back to the, the moderation of I'm managing the anger. So I'm with you in terms of anger can be very useful at times. However, if we go into tipping points and, and it spills over and then that becomes, we become the angry individual. Mm. You know, I, I, I relate to this in a big way as a younger guy, you know, for difficult upbringing and, you know, not, you know, not much, um, not many resources around me. And I, you know, I was pissed off for many years until I sort of found psychology. And, and so I, I, I'm very passionate about revisiting that and seeing if I can sort of help other people in terms of managing that anger. But yeah, it can be very useful, you're right. Mm, definitely. Mm. So we, you're talking about, we, we briefly touched on ACK. Uh, ACK. ACK, yeah. And so just give us, a, give us a rundown of ACKO and your program and sort of like take a step by step because I'm sure there's a lot of people listening that would like to to know to have the tools and to see like what what you've designed and why and how it can help the people that are listening. Okay, so we start there. There are eleven components, um, and that's been designed specifically to as a, f- a factor flow in terms of people's cognitive abilities and, and raising um, different emotions and and psychological um, facets of who they are. So we start with anger and acceptance, and that's quite a big one. And then we go look at, you know, strength through life experience. And again, we challenge denial there that we don't want to, maybe things haven't been great up until this point in your life. And so we we then go into avoidance Mm. that I don't want to look at those difficult aspects you touched on it in our first session about revisiting childhood experience that might have been negative. We shy away from that. So it's not just about life strength through experience of, of all positive, but lots of you know, lots of negative things. People find themselves in psychological difficulty because their their life experience has been negative. You need to be able to draw on that. What mm. it, and we touched on this about anti fragility. What is it about that experience that has made you better for having been through that? Mm. And that's, I hope, is sort of a, a, a new twist on on psychological well-being that you have to, it's not just about being resilient and tough and being able to keep moving forward all the time. It's about how are you a better human being for having been through that and when people have been through particular childhood abuse, whether that be psychological, physical, sexual, they don't want to open that kind of worms. But the, the true healing occurs in making space for that and, mm. and being with that experience and drawing on it. And people will say, well, how can anything that was abusive in childhood have improved you as an individual? Well, the there are there are aspects that you've been through that you survived. We touched on that as well a couple mm. of weeks ago. That you're still living, so you've been through that and and you're still surviving. Yeah, so you've basically conquered a hundred percent of the things that you've been through. If you're that's still exactly here. brilliant. <laughs> I like the way that's put. Yeah, and, and that's the truth. And then we go into 
I'll just uh, before you move on, I'd just like to say everyone that I've come across that has been really um, successful in better their life or becoming uh, more aware or whatever have all got a story. They've all got a story of that journey of going to a dark place um, and and then finding that shadow or whatever and then being able to overcome that. So I think that's the difference is we all, this is, life's not easy, right? And that's we right. all know that. And sometimes we feel like other people got better lives or whatever, but we all go through tough periods and we all go through a lot of, anguish and a lot of pain and disappointment and, and all that but it's how you react in that moment and what you do with that that's going to really determine the outcome of your life that's right so yeah uh, when i hear people go oh yeah my life's you know i've hit rock bottom or, or you know we all go through that right so now's the time where you can use that energy through anger you might be angry about it or whatever but it's that that's when you really need to to step up and i think if you the more you do that, the more you want to do that. Mm -hmm. And it's like that snowball effect, That's you know. Um, so generally in our lives, we very rarely say stagnant. I think we either build on getting better or if we stop, then we end up going in the reverse, right? So you need to choose which way you want to go. Yeah. And I think that's really important because I, I think a lot of people feel like, you know, life's doing them more, you know, more hard for them than what it is other people. That's certainly not the case. Well, yeah, you know, that's keeping up with the Joneses. It's called social comparison. You know, how big such and how much money is such and such got in his account, or what sort of car does he drive, or, or where does one live, or what's the occupant? And it, you know, we are hardwired to look around us and see where people because we sort of mimic and. We get ideas from others, you know, we swap ideas. That's a beauty, beautiful thing about being human, that we can converse and, and we can look at sort of um, abstract concepts. Uh, and, you know, no other animal on the planet is as, as aware of their emotional tone, their emotional state, as, as humans are. And I think that can be a double-edged sword. It, oh, it, it can be great because one can develop and... and you know, back to the ECHO program is about a tool for self-development and moving forward and gleaning some insight as to what's going on and trying to get a handle on things. But then, you know, the, the keeping up with the Joneses, we've always done, you know, and advertisers play on that. Mm, 100%. But, that, you know, I think it's almost as if this pursuit of perfectionism or, or, or the images were bombarded with through social media that if you don't have A, B, and C, or you don't look a particular way, then there's some somehow the individual is lacking, and and I think that's a huge problem. And Echo hopefully tries to empower the individual to to address those issues, those internal issues with themselves, and uh, and to transcend sort of that immediate stimulus and input that we're, we're all subjected to so that's the um acceptance side of things that's an acceptance side that yeah. this is what's going you know and and life i don't mean to be i don't mean to be too negative but we all age you know and i'm with aging Mate, comes you can illness. speak about yourself there right i'm gonna stay young forever <laughs> <laughs> yeah well <that laughs> we all want to right yeah we well, always do yeah. well yeah i mean there's there was an interesting well, just a sort of bit of a tangential idea 
but there was a, an experiment done in the 70s about an elixir of life that if you took this this potion you would stay at any age you wanted never decay never become ill but you could never die you will be eternal uh, so i don't want to divulge your age at the moment ryan but if uh, for, from my side say you know i could remain 26 and healthy forever but everyone around me is going to die mm. everyone's going to pass on because that's part of the natural life cycle yeah how many people do you think would consume the elixir and, and stay young forever I think a lot would without thinking of the repercussions. After. Well, they think they would, but then once they did it, I think they'd realise... 89% said no. Oh, really? Right. I think I would have been one of the 11. Yeah. As a diehard Liverpool fan, <laughs> I wanted to be the, the, the longest Liverpool supporter <laughs> of all time. Yeah. yeah, but then you get into the concept of it. and I mean, well, well, it's not natural, right? It's not natural well, to... Well, you can look at, at sort of medicine. And we spoke about a disease model previously and how that is. However, we life expectancy is is increasing exponentially. Mm. So if you go back 200 years ago, you were going to make maybe 30 or 40 years of age. Now we're on 75 for a guy approximately. Yeah. Um, so that longevity is something that we pursue. Antibiotics, you know, I know there's yeah. all sorts of... And vaccinations to prolong life yeah i don't want to go off too much of a yep. tangent but i think it's all about quality of life for me so I if like i'm that. you know i mean if i'm 80 or whatever and yeah they might be keeping me alive but if i got to take a million pills and i'm just sitting in the house doing nothing all day to me i'd rather pass on i think okay yeah that's a more of a philosophical bent and i think we should yeah, well, yeah. St <laughs> stick to our psychology this yeah. morning you know? okay yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, so you mentioned the acceptance and the anger, so and, uh, and then from there. And then reflection on your life experiences and, and drawing from even the negative. And then, you know, I'm, I'm a big, a big interest is motivation. So the third component is about motivation and, and locus of control. Are you driving your own, own existence? And then another facet of there is about fairy tales and how we're, conditioned to believe that we're we're going to play for Liverpool or we're going to be the greatest, we're going to be the next Kelly Slater or, you know, the way society conditions and, and trains us to to have these great expectations and, and, and yet then we fall short and then that, that generates that spiral that we've touched on uh, into depression or anger or frustration or whatever, whatever that be. A big thing that you know I'm I'm very passionate about is, is suicide prevention because this is so that's another facet mm. of the Echo program, and not just to look at the, the the individual who was successful. I know that sounds oxymoronic in terms of you know you're successful at, at, at taking your own life, but the people who are left behind, you know, for each suicide, the, this, the numbers suggest that. You know, you've got as many as 16, 17 other human beings who are really, really damaged Devastated. by by the, the, the death of that that person. Mm. Uh, another facet. So it, it the, the way that the program is put together 
it flows and then we look at sort of the grief grief cycles and yeah that was you know there's a backstory to there with elizabeth kubler ross who, who developed grief and she was looking at the individual who was passing away and then realized the grief cycle really applied more to the people who survived that individual and you know i i think the sort of ultimately you go to acceptance so that's how echo is designed that you go into denial is the first aspect of grief and then bargaining only if I'd have done something different or maybe yeah. I, and then depression and anger and it's not linear. You know, you can jump back and forth into these, but ultimately you get to acceptance and, uh, but grief is, is multifaceted, Ryan, you know, yep. the, the, the grieve, the grieving for a child is different for that. You touched on, you know, if you were 80 years of age and being kept alive, I think naturally, you know, that's, you've had a good life. Uh, hopefully you've enjoyed it. And, and then the conclusion is this is what we do. But w with that echo, you know, is as you move towards old age, do you begin to grieve about the loss of time, the loss of life? So it doesn't necessarily have to revolve around the death of an individual. Mm. Can you grieve for the time you've lost? Can you grieve for the aging process? Oh, there's a multiple. Oh, things. you could go on. Yeah. Well, well, that's all contained within Echo. Yeah, cool. You know, um, there's a really good. Mo I just thought about a really good model when it comes to when we're talking about spiraling up and down. And mm -hmm. I think it was Tony Robbins that uh, got this model. Is say everyone starts with a potential. So right now we've got a certain potential mm -hmm. us sitting right here, yeah. and then from potential you take an action. Whether that be one action could be go to the gym, positive, right? And then from that action, you get a result, you feel good. Mm. And then when you feel good, you're at a higher potential. So now you got a, you're at a higher potential. So then your next action so you're is spiraling, spiraling up. But yeah. then what if you decide, okay, I'm not going to go to the gym, I'm going to watch TV and eat some chips? Yeah. That was your action. Now, what was the result? You feel like shit, you didn't go to the gym, now your potential is down. So see how it's very easy to spiral up and it's very easy to spiral down so you know i mean that's in the moment when you don't want to go to the gym or you don't want to do the things that you know you should be doing mm -hmm. um think about that model and think about what how am i going to feel afterwards and then when you that can then help with your potential or your motivation then okay to, to then okay i need to do this and how many gym sessions have you been to where you go oh, i wish i didn't do that gym session zero right <laughs> yeah <laughs> of course yeah. mate. But what you sort of, I think, um, you're articulating there, Ryan, is about consequential thought. So some research I've done in, many years ago is about the prefrontal cortex and this region of your brain just be behind your forehead, your frontal lobes are responsible for your consequential thought, impulse control, an executive function, the ability to think cleverly about and project into the future. When you're angry, when you're depressed, that region of the brain, when you're in fight or flight, when you're anxious all the time, that structure doesn't operate um, efficiently. So you, what you articulated there about going to the gym, not going to the gym and rather eating some horrible food or whatever it be, your consequential thought isn't operating efficiently. And so you start making bad decisions. And that then puts you on that negative downward spiral. Yeah. You know? 
So again, you know, that's one of the, the, the aspects of, of the program that we look at uh, and giving individuals some insights as to the, the anatomical and the, and the neurophysiological aspect of what's actually happening. And I think people are, are really quite savvy in this day and age and they want to understand, you know, one of my driving forces is to to, to allow the individual to, to get a concept and an idea of abstract sort of um, facets of who we are, you know, and empower people with understand your prefrontal cortex, you know. Um, I, I, I'm rather than go, oh, it's a big term, it's technical, it's it's clinical, it's it's like anything, you know. The the more you be with it, mm. the more you understand. Yeah, I, and I think you touched on it about the reptilian brain and. You know, there's a struggle there about immediate gratification, and 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 a good example is the diet. And back to what we said earlier about, you know, the the fast food people generate sugar and fat, which isn't healthy for us. But they know that we're going to. Yeah, it's uh, the sugar's got that. sugar's got that addictive component to it oh, too. Most I definitely. think lights up the same part of the brain as cocaine. You know what I mean? Brilliant. And, yeah. Yeah. So. So then we move into substance abuse. So the the program is an actual flow here. Yeah. I so like, because yep. that's triggering you to think about addictive behaviours, you know, and 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 the the default setting is the heroin addict or the alcoholic or the cocaine addict or the crystal meth is 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 big at the moment. But are you addicted to particular thought patterns? So yeah, 100%. all of the above is applicable, and it's it's interesting though. You know, people say to me, "Well, what's the biggest drug of addiction, or the most damaging?" And and they jump to heroin or cocaine, alcohol. You know, hundred percent. And yeah, alcohol is socially acceptable. It's cheap. It's so freely available. And it's almost encouraged by society. It is you know? definitely, especially the Australian culture um, and the English. You know where I come from. I know from where it. where I work. Um, when I go out to the mines and stuff, like if you don't go to the bar, you're gonna get shit. You know yeah, what I mean? Like it's almost you, like you, you become ostracised. Yeah. Almost, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I, I don't want to digress, but I can. So if we look at Ryan, that's a great, brilliant point, mate. He might be out with the boys. You finish the shift. You're in the pub. And you choose to have a water or a soft drink or whatever that is, yeah? And all the other boys encourage you and give you grief down the banks about mm. why aren't you... Um, why do they do that? Because this is my theory. Go on. So I believe that if you are trying to make changes to better your life that shines a light on something that they know they should be doing. So they want to bring you back down to that level Beautiful. because then they're comfortable. And because all you're doing is shining a light on them, right? So a lot of people... Think of it differently. You become a mirror. And you're not... You're, there's no intention of you, from your side to have them look at their shadow. No. Yeah? But it's natural for us to do but, that. But we do that, yeah. And so you're quite right. You know, you've got a great take on that, mate. So you're having a water there or drinking the schooners. Um, and, and I'll be completely honest here. I've been on the other side where mates, not not for decades now, but mates who recognised that they were over-drinking, if, 
you like, or drinking yeah, at inappropriate times. or yeah. And they wanted to make a change. And I have been guilty. I'll put my hand up and, you know, and put pressure on them because I like the Ryan who's a bit tipsy and he's had five schooners and we're talking absolute garbage and I'm watching. And now I, this Ryan's drinking water. You know, are you too good to drink with us? That that gets levelled at the individual. Yeah. But I think as much as you and I can recognise and and speak about it, it's a big, big problem in terms of the individual's ability to recognise this as an issue and then this social set, keeping them stuck in it, yeah. you know, or or alienating them, or now they don't fit in the pub, and you'll hear rubbish like, never trust somebody who doesn't like a beer, you know, and it's, I don't want to digress here, mate, but alcohol is a big, big problem. 100%. And we are inculcated and initiated, and it's an almost a rite of passage, but it's, it's so, so, um, damaging for human beings you know yeah and i I don't want to be too negative no i'll put my hand up i love a beer me too i I love a a nice glass of of wine with my meal not every day but you know and if i'm if we, we talked about people going through journeys you know there was probably a time when i thought crikey you're you're using this as a crutch. Mm. This is not a social. It's not hanging out with, with, with your friends or it's not a nice glass of red over a nice steak. Whatever that be, I've had to moderate, you know, yeah. through my life. Not that I'd sort of put, label myself with a, with an alcoholic diagnosis. However, I have recognised that it's been a problem in the past. Yeah, well, I think they talk about, I've done a bit of research into, like, drinking, I think, pretty sure, correct me if I'm wrong, alcohol and benzos, which is, like, your Valium and the your... most difficult to I, withdraw the, from. Yeah, they've got the biggest physical withdrawal out of all of them, and this is, one of them's legal. We can go drink and everything. You know well, the mean? benzos are legal. So, the benzodiazepine family, you, you, you've mentioned, basically, the big one that jumps out is diazepam slash Valium, yeah? Um... And then you get into tamazepam, sleeping tablets. Then you get into atavan, which is lorazepam. But they're all sedative, basically. And you're quite right. And I, I think we touched on Jordan Peterson. He has recently gone through a huge. He's had to withdraw from Valium, basically. He had to be sed- he had to be put to sleep. You know, this is a very bright guy who's very motivated, very driven. But I, I'm glad you raised that because. His withdrawal was so pronounced that he had to go into some form of sleep therapy. Wow. I don't know all the details. Just to cap that off, I don't. But that's an aspect substance abuse, you know, in terms of the Echo program is massive, and and that comes a little bit further into the program because you know you sort of it's so prevalent, and I think one needs to be in a particular mindset to see it for, you know, and I, I'm not saying uh, let, let's ha- or everybody have a sober life. You know, we touched on it earlier or, or last time that you need an altered state of consciousness. And in this day and age, people find that through drugs and alcohol rather than surfing or running or, or being creative. It's too easy. It's the default setting. It's that 
easier I want to blot things out. But again, that generates that blunted effect. Mm. And it's not just stress of modern day life or, or, or relationship breakdown or trauma as a child. It then blunts everything the physical aspect of who we are, the emotional, the relationship aspect, you know. The bottom line is, and people aren't going to like this, but I'm going to say it anyway, that if we found alcohol tomorrow, ethanol, we'd ban it, without a doubt. But it's so lucrative, it's such a money spin, it's so entrenched in our culture, that. but it's money, you know, despite the, the domestic violence driven by alcohol, the... The, the traffic deaths, lots driven by alcohol, violence, family breakdown, um, suicide. So um, such a huge portion of, of suicide is linked to substance abuse, you know? Yeah. And that isn't to say that, oh, I won't enjoy a beer probably later on. But that moderation is... It is everything and finding a balance and having other aspects of our lives that are as important as having a beer. Mm. You know? But yeah. I think it's a runaway train, my friend. I really do. And just to, to think of the cultural implications, it, you know, it's it, it's toxic. Yeah, it's a poison. That's what you're doing. You're poisoning yourself. And we spoke about the prefrontal cortex and all those clever functions of our brain, they are the first to be damaged through alcohol abuse. Mm. Yeah, awesome. Well, all right, so it's a sobering thought. Yeah, wasn't it? that yeah. really sort took of the got wind me. out of yeah. sails there. <laughs> yeah. All right. So moving along with uh, your program. So where okay. where where do we go from there? So we've spoken about grief and vicious cycles. We've we've l- spoken about low frustration tolerance and the inability to deal with life's niggles, if you like, or or obstacles that arise, and then one becomes not problem-solving, but reactionary, and we spoke about that before, about responding rather than being reactive. Um, But I'd sort of think about, and then we look at depression, we look at the treatment around depression um, and medication and placebo effect, which I'm really interested in, I think um, I think your your listeners will understand the concept of placebo. The one individual has the active medication; the other one is given a similar pill, and the power of the mind informs the individual that they are improving. Um, mm. And there is a time and place for medication. I think it's a overprescribed. I think it's such a it, it's trillion dollar industry. You know, I think the economic aspects of, of antidepressants um, actually, you know, sort of taint the whole uh, therapeutic approach. And, you know, I, I've come across many, you know, thousands of times without being, without exaggerating, of the individual went to see one doctor. And then one of the big problems that the pharmaceutical companies will give you is that, is called non-compliance. So Tristan goes and he's not in the best headspace. He's down. Is he depressed? Is he not depressed? He doesn't know. Is he anxious? Is he chronically anxious? That's where the benzodiazepines come in as a sedative, which, if used properly, can be great. Mm. However, the, the, the propensity, yeah, yeah, for for addiction, um, and 
Yeah, I think there's an overprescription, and I think the, the the GPs and 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 psychiatrists are too quick to go to a script pad because it's deemed a quick fix, and it's also being driven by it's being incentivized yeah. in terms of money, and and that in itself flies in the face of good therapeutic best practice. Definitely. So if anyone at home wants to listen to or read something. You want to know how powerful the placebo effect is? Uh, Dr. Bruce Lipton's got a good book Brilliant. called uh, The Placebo. And, yeah, it's some of the stuff that he writes about in there, some cultures and some of the stuff that they, the body can overcome is absolutely it's fa- it's, it, it's, it's fascinating. Well, we're, we're designed to heal, Ryan. That's what we're designed to do. And, mm. and society would have us distracted and not being with that healing process, you know, you you can make incremental improvements and the ripple effect, the domino effect there. As you said, that one gym session that maybe you didn't feel up for initially, as you that's look, the one you it, have to do. That's <laughs> the one you have to do. It's easy when you're feeling confident and, 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 yeah. and the ego's strong, and you know you, you you like the way you're looking. It's when you know, back to the shadow. Yeah, it's when I'd rather eat the fast food and and drink a few beers yeah. than actually get off my back. Motivation side. will get you started. Discipline, discipline will keep you there. That's right, mate. I love it, I, and that's part of the, you know, the, the Echo program. And again, so it's actually in flow here. The the idea being that we generate after from one phase to the next. We're actually opening our mind and being more receptive and being with our issues rather than having to shy away. And then each topic leads into the next. You know, it's specifically designed in terms of its content to to assist people and get them, okay, so what do we mean by placebo? And it's great you, you brought up the, the book you've just mentioned that and people want to know that. And mm. and when they get into that concept, then other things open up. It's like, okay, so the power of the mind is, is monstrous. Mm, opens great. a lot of doors. But if it's not being used in a healthy, it can be back to the shadow. You know, yeah. It can be so, so negative. Then, and being in those negative loops. And then the next phase would be looking at neuroplasticity big terminology, all it means is the brain is malleable, shapeable. So it was only 25, I could be wrong with this figure, but it was only 25 or maybe 30 years ago that, you know, we were told, you know, can't teach old dog new tricks and, you know, after a certain age you couldn't change your mind, but that's all completely changed now. They're saying, you know, you you can change your mind whether you're 7 or 70, it doesn't really... Well, every seven years, every cell in your body is, is... reproduced and rejuvenated mm. yeah and you're quite right so when i started out in psychology my first degree we were drilled that your brain was like the hard drive of a computer and then once there was there was a fault or there was a break then it it wouldn't repair and a very clever guy called vs ramachandran was looking at, at patients with stroke and there's a paralysis on one side, and he put a mirror in front of them with the with their their not the p- paralyzed side, but their healthy side, and a mirror. And he actually tricked the brain into believing that the paralysis 
wasn't there. Mm. And the wonder of it was that he realized the brain would rewire itself, and that's where um, neuroplasticity was born from. It's clever, you know? And again, the positive is, you know, what what you think you become. You know, I when we first met, I touched on, you know, you're here, you are what you do, you are what you eat. Well, yeah, to some degree, however, the, 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 the crux of the matter is you are what you think. And that's, you know, inspiring. However, if you're stuck in an automatic negative loop that life is rubbish or you're not worthy or, or you're lacking, you're also reinforcing those neural networks. Mm, definitely. And neurons that fire together, wire together. Yeah, I heard about, um, I looked into multiple... Um, personality disorder mm-hmm. and when that person changes from one person to another and they truly believe that they yeah. are it changes their eye color it changes whether they got diabetes it changes everything that how powerful is that just from that belief of i've changed from this person to that person it physically Physical. changes like yeah. that um and that's true you can look that up that is and oh it is that, it's a given me yeah. that yeah, that blew me away. Like even changing eye color, like wow, yeah, wow, wow, yeah. And and beliefs is is a big facet in in the Echo program. Are your beliefs outdated? Where do your beliefs come from? You mm. know, they come from your parents. Maybe uh, we spoke about are they yours or they've been given yeah, to you? We spoke about generational differences. There, you, you know, you sort of and, and and change of belief is difficult because. We think if we stick to what we believe in, then we won't unravel. And there's a fear that if you begin to challenge that, it's almost a, an identity crisis that letting go of old, dysfunctional, negative belief patterns that no longer serve the individual, then somehow they lack, they they lose some of their, their identity or their mm. self, if you like. You know? Yeah, we've built up this big... Um conception of who we think who we are, we are yeah. yeah yeah and the deconstruction thereof it, back to the shadow mm. you know to deconstruct and break it down and start again you know we think we need to be continue and, and that's why the, the behaviors uh, the negative behaviors are repeated over and over again and that dissonance of i've done it again you know you look at addiction you look at something like alcoholism you know, the next time the individual relapses, they go even further back and you touched on that. It's not that they, you know, that they sort of are stagnant. They have actually gone into a, a retrospective negative um, effect, if you like, affect. Yeah. Yeah, so if there's, um, if people want to get in contact with you, uh, with regards to Echo, how can they get in contact with you? Yeah, they can They can email me, um, and that's probably the best. The The whole Echo um, program will be online soon. It's gone through, and, and it's, it's an ongoing process. There isn't, you know, a definitive answer for everyone. We touched on that at the beginning. Uh, some people will take different aspects of it. The, the substance abuse might be pertinent to where they're up to, or they might be going through grief, you know, <coughs> and not just the loss of someone, maybe a relationship breakdown or, or work changes or aging. 
and that might be what what they're seeking to to understand, you know. But the idea being that the whole package will help the individual. That's where Echo is coming from. Yeah. Okay, so if there's one piece of advice that you'd like to give and there's one gold nugget that you'd like to um, give to the audience today, what would it be? It would be that small moves, small positive actions have a ripple effect. Mm, Bite-sized chunks. Yeah, and you can... You'd be surprised how quickly, in terms of positivity, those little changes... That's that spiral That's a spiral upwards, you know. You make room for the thoughts in the gap. You make room for physical improvements, you know. And and, and people will listen to this podcast and maybe they're carrying too much weight and they think, well, what's the point? Um, But incremental, you can reverse disease reverse diabetes but you have to start somewhere Mm. and it's the ability to make the first move and then it becomes easier and easier but ultimately you know my line is you are what you think yeah and and if that's positive great if it's negative maybe you need to make a change and i think it's real important for you whether you're going through you know weight addiction um whatever it is go research people that have been in that position and come out the other side and you'll see some crazy stories and you'll you'll be inspired because sometimes we think oh i can't do that but if someone else can do it you can do it too right so uh, that's something that i found has helped me on my journey is always looking to people that have been through stuff and come out the other side and and there's so many people to choose from and it really keeps me motivated and determined to keep working on myself and keep being better every single day yeah i love it yeah yeah and it's it's you know mindset is is huge Mm. But the understanding of being the master of your own psychology, it's great to have assistance and help and that, you know, that's the premise behind ACHO to give people, but you need to be in charge. This is your life, you know, uh, and we're all very easily um, distracted and get stuck in avoidance or, you know, that downward spiral or being too... It's interesting that you know we wouldn't we don't treat our our pets as badly as we treat ourselves yeah, at times, you definitely. know. Um, but that exploration you, you touched on it about knowledge being power, and it and it is. Mm. But you have to look at both the, the the light and the shadow side. Definitely. Well, I think we'll finish up there. I like this. This is your life, guys, and it really is. So. Make of it what you will. And, um, yeah, thanks for coming on. really appreciate you having you. Lovely, Ryan. And Thank it's you always nice much. chatting with you. So, yeah. awesome. Excellent. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Thank you for listening to the NeuroNevada podcast. If you like what you heard, please like and subscribe. Also, if you'd like to know a bit more about us, uh, jump on Instagram, NeuroNevada underscore, and NeuroNevada on Facebook. Also, if you'd like to check out our services and if we can help you in any way, jump on our website, neuronirvana.com.au.